The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'm all gassed up today, Neil. I'm all gassed up. We're recording the show the night before, which means I've got a belly full of Trader Joe's frozen mushroom chicken. I got a, a glass of warm water to keep the vocal cords from getting all tight. And I got a heart full of rage. That's not true. Filled with an anticipation and enthusiasm because it's Tuesday, which means it's betting day on Fantasy NBA Today. Dan Bespris, Neil Rochelani. We got season win totals coming up on today's show, and I could not be more excited. Teams, uh, what are we at now? 13 through 18? Also, hello, Neil. Hello, Dan. <laughs> Thank you for that. You got you, I hope everybody knows that when I do crap like that, it's an Uncle Leo reference from Seinfeld. Did you get that one? I, I listen to you all the time. Yeah, I know so you exactly know. Where you're going. Yeah. Jerry, Uncle Leo. <laughs> so that's where I'm going with. Hello, Neil. How you been, man? How's the last week treating you? I'm doing all right. I'm getting busier with uh, non-hoop ball stuff, which means I'm very tired right now. But uh, um, I'm very excited for the show because we have some interesting teams to talk about. We do. We do have interesting teams. Yeah. Neil, by the way, has been sitting in traffic for like the last four and a half hours. So if he says anything crazy, it's because he was just trying not to kill anyone on his drive. Is that a safe... Is that well, like a... Yeah, no, it was just so slow moving. I couldn't have killed someone if I tried. Um, I was going about four miles an hour for 20 miles oh god those are the worst and you're so neil's a chicagoan i'm an angelino we are definitely familiar with the traffic stuff i know there's a handful of other places across the country that have these areas that are really really terrible and like obviously new york uh but that's just sort of not a driving culture there it's weird to me well, you're going to have to explain to me and then maybe everybody else where you were going that this would happen. With Los Angeles, you cannot go anywhere from about 3.30 in the afternoon till about 6.30, maybe even 7. There's just like three and a half hours where unless you absolutely positively have to do some sort of emergency landing, uh, you just don't, you don't leave. The whole city is gridlock because it's driving culture. That's what LA is. So, But Chicago, I mean, you live in a city that is at least partially known for public transportation. You guys have uh, that really cool area where the, the the subway runs in like a tight square, right? What's the name of that area? I don't know the, the well, for, First of all, Dan, it's called the L. The L. It's okay, the there you go. We don't, we, don't, we don't deal with this underground stuff. We're all above <laughs> ground, staying outside in the winter waiting for a train. Um, yeah, we, it's called the loop that goes around the, uh, the downtown. Oh, there you go. Financial, financial district. But I – so um, I am now on um, – on assignment, as they say, out in the suburbs. So there's really not good public transportation to get out there. So uh, you have to take the expressway. And there's really only one major expressway, and that gets clogged. Um, it's technically the reverse commute because I live in the city and I, yeah. I work in the suburbs. That but was my there's, next there's, there's, no, there's really no such thing here anymore, uh, mainly because all the, um, the, the shared lanes are going to be doing the opposite. So you get fewer lanes and Oh, there's all these like uh, office lanes. buildings out there now. So a lot of a lot of corporate headquarters in the suburbs. So it's it's pretty bad. Oh, shared lanes. Yeah, that's not really a big thing in L.A. We just make more lanes. That's our move down here. Just make it wider so that there's. Oh, like I see. Se- yeah, there's like six lanes going every direction all the time. And they're still completely packed. 
Uh, I did that shared laid thing in Northern California a couple of times when I used to tutor in the afternoons. And so I was doing the, the reverse commute also. Uh, <laughs> and it's super weird uh, because suddenly there's like cones directing you into what appears to be oncoming traffic. But um, so far, nobody drilled me in a head on collision. So I guess they have this. <laughs> that's, that's a <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they've got. Uh... They've got barriers. They're actually a little more than cones here <laughs> to, to, to keep people away from going the wrong direction. On the, yeah, because it, it does flip. So where you go? Where what's what are the what are the burbs out there? What's that? How like you said, twenty miles. So that's like what? Uh, it's, I'm about. Um, it's about five miles past O'Hare. Oh, uh, okay. The, the major airport. Yeah, maybe about eight, eight, eight miles past there. So for me to the way Chicago is sort of set up, though, it's like. Um, the expressway is... Uh, is that the 90? Little, Am I looking at the right map? Yeah. There's 90, 94. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation, by the way. But I love it. I don't, give, not, I don't so give a there, flying there's, there's, there's two highways. One is 90, one is 94. And for a part of the time, they're together. And so I take I take them together, and then I take 90, which splits off, and 94 goes more north directly to Milwaukee. 90 goes west. Uh, if you continue it on, you'll go through... Uh, Western Illinois than up to Madison. This is nice. Um, this is like a tour bus ride. You can, if you, exactly. So I, I am uh, I'm traveling. I'm only about 15 miles on the expressway, 17 miles. But then That's... I've got to get to the expressway because the way it's set up, if you're near the lake and you're on the north side, you're not really close to the expressway. So. Oh, no. So you got to do some widening and weave in there. I see Schaumburg's yeah. out that way. They've got a minor yeah, league baseball I, team. I'm very close. Yeah, Schaumburg actually, uh, that's where indie Motorola's ball. headquarters, McDonald's. Yeah. Ah, they got an indie ball team out that way, too. Oh, I'm sorry. You were going with the, uh, the baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my shtick. Uh, so Neil is, is, uh, uh, alive, but not well at the moment. Um, traffic man is an unbelievably draining thing. I love maps. I don't care if people don't, uh, pull up a map of Chicago. You can zoom out a tiny bit. You can see what the poor sap is doing these days. Uh, but we got six season win totals to cover today. I also want to take a moment here at the outset to remind everybody to please, if you have a moment, go rate and review the podcast. Unless you hate maps, in which case, save it until after the fantasy part. Then you'll be in a better mood uh, <laughs> or the betting part. But uh, again, yeah, if you have a moment on iTunes, if you got it on your PC, your Mac, whatever, if it's the full computer version, it's very easy to find that stuff. You just click on the, the name of the podcast and there's a little rate and review tab. I found it on my phone yesterday. You search in the podcast app on your Apple mobile device, you click on the name of the show and then just scroll down to the bottom. So that's where they hit it these days. Five-star reviews. We love you. We'll love you forever. Uh, also, it's recruiting season has begun here at HoopBall. Uh, most of the blurb shifts are filled up now, but we're adding to the wait list. And we also have a couple of morning shifts, Eastern Time morning shifts available. So if you're interested in learning how to blurb, this is a training position. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Neil, by the way, is on Twitter, at Ball with Neil. I'll save my joke until later in the podcast. We've got new listeners these days, so I'm going to give your actual Twitter handle. This is, of course, the Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. You can search for them on Amazon Hawaiian Isles. As I said yesterday, Hawaiian IS is as far as you got to go, and Amazon will know what you're looking for. Your computer will plug it in for you because it's an Amazon's choice you can get that joint delivered straight to your doorstep by tomorrow. Neil, where the hell did we leave off last week? Let's do some more season win totals, 13 through 18. We finished off with the Pacers of Indiana, and we're now headed to Los Angeles, where oh you boy. reside. 
Yeah, uh, Clippers and Lakers. Are you gonna are you gonna go to this opening night game? You think I can afford that nonsense? No chance. No chance. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I it's like I'm gonna watch it. Oh baby, <laughs> sure, fair enough. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, watch it too. I'm gonna watch yeah. the heck out of it. You can't, you can't stop me from watching the heck out of it. It's gonna be. I'm gonna watch it so hard. Um, <laughs> I'm excited, man. I know that they're like they're dropping these little scheduling nuggets on us just to get our interest peaked, but it's working on me. I'm so I'm all jazzed up, and we got two and a half months left. Yeah, but I'm already starting to um, prepare for drafts, aren't you? Starting to do a little bit of research, getting ready to go? Yeah, but I'm going to finish it, and then I'm going to be like, okay, well, still two months left. Oh, but I don't, you love to do the mock drafts. No, I those every don't. Night. No, no, I'm kidding. I know you, I've, heard, I've heard your rants about mock drafts. And, <laughs> Overdone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh and I were uh, sort of hurt by that because <laughs> – you know, you know how you know how some people come home and they have like a beer after work. Some of us come home and do a mock draft and just relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just getting high on mock drafts over there. <laughs> you sick bastards. Uh, no, so I mean, here's the thing. I, as I said on that first fantasy one hundred and one show, I'm, I'm never going to destroy the mock drafters among us. I do think that there is a certain value to them, but I think they have to be used properly. And I, I feel like mock drafts can actually. At least for me, they lead me astray almost as often as they help. And so this, uh, the, the kind of the ROI on doing them is so little that I got to make sure I'm finding the right one. And oftentimes, I'd rather just study the results of someone else's mock draft, see where guys are going. That has nothing to do with me. It re- mm-hmm. remove myself from the equation so there's no bias. So the guys that I'm watching couldn't possibly end up on my team. That, to me, is the most interesting thing. What are guys doing when I'm not a factor in the mock draft? But anyway, that's uh, th- this is a discussion that we will continue to have leading up to mock draft season. We got the Clippers to talk about, Neil. 55 and a half was the opening number on that one. That's a huge season win total for a team that uh, is a little bit different looking than they were last year. I mean, that's wild, isn't it? It is wild, um, and I'm guessing it's because of the uh, stars added. Well, I mean, I'm guessing it's overinflated because of the stars added. Um, so, I had they won 48 last year. The Pythagorean were 44 wins. Yeah, I um, believe that, and that seems to make sense based on the way they they played so hard. And um, which is, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they're going to be resting guys uh, throughout the season. I think guys aren't going to feel the pressure to play as hard. I mean, they'll play hard, but they're not going to be in that. We've got to play excessively hard to win every single game and make the playoffs. So I went um, with that factored in and also the, the guys fitting together. Let's see when Paul George actually starts playing. Um, I got him at 53 wins for the season. Yeah, that's around where I've got him as well. Uh, I think the, the there's one thing that I keep going back and forth on, and maybe you can talk me into one side or the other, and that is – how much does the Patrick Beverly effect help or hurt this ball club? He's a guy that everybody that's listened to this show knows. I'm a massive Pat Beverly fan. His fantasy game is fantastic. I did like six minutes on him yesterday uh, on that podcast. But from a reality standpoint, he's a guy that actually makes a lot more sense on a team that needs a motor. And I don't know that this particular Clippers roster now needs the regular season motor guy. This is a team now, like with Kawhi Leonard, 
You think he's going to be out there looking to Pat Beverly to get him fired up every night? No, I think he's probably just going to throw it into cruise control for most of the season. Paul George, maybe a little bit. I mean, he's a guy that's going to go pretty hard. I think there are going to be moments this year where Beverly actually rubs those guys a little bit the wrong way. Like last year, you had all these guys where he was getting them fired up and they were into it. And it was like, these were guys that needed someone to rev them up every night. They were, they were the underdogs. They were the, the, the toothy fighters coming after everybody. And it worked. And now they have the target on them. They're the, they're the big boppers. They've got the two superstars. And so to have a Bev on that team going crazy all the time is a little bit counterproductive. I, I think it's going to balance out. Uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic fit when those moments come up where they want to kick it into the highest gear. But this is now a team, to me, that's more like the Warriors than last year's Clippers just from a mental standpoint. Now, does, maybe I'm overstretching it a little bit, but does that, does that theory make sense in any capacity? Talk me into one side or the other if you feel like it. Oh, well, I mean, it makes sense in that they know that the regular season is not the thing anymore, right? So they know it's the playoffs. So it's in that sense, they're just like the Warriors. They are going to be one of the best teams without a doubt, and they don't have to worry about playing their best to make the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how Beverly's going to fit, though. It's a, good, it's a good question. I don't know if he'll realize the hierarchy and maybe take a back seat to those guys or do you think he's just hardwired that way he's just wired that way man remember what he was like in houston it was the same thing i was trying to picture what it was like in houston yeah he played so hard that he got himself hurt like mm. bi-weekly he would just go and go and go and rebound and bang and leap and bump and then it was like two weeks in pat beverly has a sore knee and this is the kind of team now that doesn't need the sore knee every three weeks they need the pat beverly to just Take it from, because he's a, the, the old, you know, the, the baseball cliche, we're just going to give it 110% or whatever it is. The, now they finally need him to dial it back to just 100. Just 100%. <laughs> that'll be more than enough, Patrick. Uh, so it's a weird, to me, it's a weird balancing act that this team is going to go with. But from a, from a win-loss perspective, this was, this was sort of like a blind handicap. It was, I almost didn't care what number they put on this team. I was going under unless someone could give me a crazy sequence of reasons why it would go over. And this is a team that just wants to make the playoffs. I don't think they're worried about home court advantage all that much. They know Kawhi can go win on the road. Crap, every single game in the finals was won on the road, right? Except for one. They won every game on the road. Yeah. Uh, and I think the war- so, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah. Won, they won game one at home, and then every they other brought- game in the finals I think was... A road win, right? Or no? Did I flip that? I flipped it. No, you got it right. Every other game was a road win. Game two was the Warriors. Game three and four were the... Yeah, okay. There you Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I got a little... My my brain... You sat in traffic all day. I have no excuse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this one was an under right out of the chute. Uh, yeah. and I believe it has come down a win to 54 and a half. So it's... I, I think. So that makes it a little bit more dicey, but... I mean, there's no reason for them to push for 56, 57 wins. They don't need the number one seed. No, it's going to be really hard to even get that many wins in the West. Yeah, that's so. the other thing. That's the other thing. <laughs> tough games every night. Why, why, why kill yourself when all you got to do is, you know, get into the top four? Whatever you got to – I mean, they don't even necessarily need to do that. There are a lot of teams in the Western Conference that, to me, are more concerned with just getting in 
than where the games are happening once they get in. And the next one on our list probably falls into that category as well. Do you want to go to the next one? Yeah, the Lakers, huh? 51 and a half was the opening number. That's a lot lower than the Clippers, which surprised me. Uh, But I also think it's a really tight line. Yeah, yeah. I have It's definitely closer for me, but I still have them going under. I'm at 49. Um, And I have it 51. I got it right on the number. (laughs) Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's such a huge turnover in the roster. Um, And I know LeBron's probably going to be a lot happier with AD than the other guys he played with, but I just think he's going to rest some this year as well. And I don't think they're going to be all that um, cohesive starting out either. Yeah, Le- Le- right. LeBron, LeBron teams, when they start off, have not been usually cohesive when it's new players. No, and it's all new players. It's not even yeah. just a couple. It's a new superstar and new everything. <clears throat> I mean, Kyle Kuzma, yes, Alex Caruso, I know. So, you know, we don't need to, <laughs> we need to go down that road. I love Caruso, but effectively, this is, this is all new. KCP, Rajon Rondo, probably not even going to be with the starting unit. Maybe you might see KCP playing like, guarding point guards and playing the two on offense that's a possibility but this is all new all new all over yes i know javel mcgee sorry i'm I'm sure people are going to be yelling at me you got to list all the guys that were on the lakers last year the point is you're going to see lebron largely playing with a new cast of characters and then all these former lakers that were sort of kind of sometimes in the starting unit and sometimes on the bench those guys are going to be figuring out how to play together as more of a bench unit and you're going to have a LeBron AD staggering situation. And I think you're going to have Boogie doing a lot of primary ball handling work when either LeBron or AD is resting. Uh, I'm with you, man. There is a there's a uh, like an eight and eight start in the books for this team. Uh, but I do think they're going to get pretty good by midseason. So the question is, you know, how long do they sort of push that that strong run before they dial it back a little bit, too? And that's why I think maybe I have them just one or two wins above you. I think that they do I think they do want to give the full throttle just a little bit longer to make sure they've got all the pieces settling right and truly figure out what that last roster spot should be for that team. Uh, but I still have them under by a half win also. So I, this is one of my smallest wagers on the board, but I'm with you. You and I agree on both of these two teams. Yeah, that's also um I don't want to knock Boogie Cousins, but he's or DeMarcus Cousins, but he is not as great as he is as an individual talent and fantasy option, he's not always helping his team win. Yeah, that was, although I, I feel like some of that was more of like the 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 alpha boogie, <laughs> which, by the way, sounds like a really sweet dance move. Uh, <laughs> I think we're into a new boogie era. This is actually the coolest conversation we've ever had on this show. If no one, if people listen to just this segment out of context... They think that they think we were talking about like the advent of seventies funk, <laughs> alpha boogie, uh, backup boogie, a little teammate boogie. I think he's actually going to be a pretty good fit. Actually, you know what's funny? I was digging into the numbers a little bit, Neil, on the the Pelicans boogie AD experiment, and they were actually quite good together when Rajon Rondo was off the floor. Uh. He oddly enough, was the rate-limiting factor for that team. Rajon Rondo, because he just was letting everybody blow by him and couldn't space the floor, uh, is as awful as we all know he is. 
His only job right now is as recruiting pitch because apparently the Lakers got like a half of the guys they got in free agency because dudes like Rajon Rondo, which just blows my mind and shows how different things are behind the scenes than they appear to those of us just sort of watching a team that he's like beloved among other players in the NBA, except Chris Paul, apparently. And uh, for all of us, we're watching like, this guy's terrible. Why is he even playing? He's playing because everybody just loves him apparently. Uh, so if the Lakers can, then it's a big if, but if you're a Laker fan, you got to go, you know, trust in Vogel kind of thing. If the Lakers can figure out how to get Rajon Rondo away from all of their starting and, and sort of high octane units, it could be a good thing because we know AD doesn't want to play the five. So I actually think Boogie's going to be more helpful for this team than Hurt, provided he is closer to a healthy iteration of himself. And, and I think he's going to be decent this year. I actually have kind of high hopes for Boogie, and, and that puts me in, uh, I think, the minority, which is kind of fun. I like being the contrarian on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing that you did mention was the new coach, which will take time to kind of hash things out as well, I think, with LeBron. But he's better. I mean, I know he's not like the world beater coach in Vogel, but he is better than Luke Walton. Oh, he's a better coach, but I just mean as far as like, he's a pretty strong-minded coach, and LeBron's a pretty strong-minded player and what he wants to do on the court, and that might be some conflict in the beginning. Very true. Very uh, true. We'll see. Well, uh, it could be smooth, but um, my guess is there'll be some conflict. Yeah, there has to be. There's just so much going on. There's so yeah. many moving pieces. There's almost no other way to do it. Um, next one on the list is the Memphis Grizzlies, which I admit, Neil, I struggled with this one. This team is all kinds of, they're just new all over the Memphis Grizzlies. 27 and a half. Uh, this is one that in a real world scenario, I would not, I wouldn't touch in any capacity. Uh, for our purposes, I have them going over barely, barely. And it has to do with the fact that they have a top six protected uh, pick this coming draft. But if they keep it, then it becomes fully unprotected the following season. So if they're really going into full rebuild mode, it would actually behoove the Grizzlies to try to convey their pick as soon as possible. And then you can go into a massive tank the following year. So I think there's going to be this very slight impetus for them to win ball games when a normal bad young team might be trying to go into a full rebuild. And those one or two wins is what got me to around 28 or 29. Uh, but from a from an actual personnel standpoint, I, I honestly don't know what to make of this team. Yeah, this one was tough, too, for me. But um, I'm actually a little more bullish. I have them at 32 wins. Oh, great. So we agree again. At least there's that. Yeah, and I'm actually – I wouldn't say I'm confident in this, but if I ha- it, wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be that, it wouldn't be that hard for me to bet on them. You know what, Neil? They, I'll take yeah. it. That's about as much conviction as we can pry out of you. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I am pretty excited by this young group of players. I think they're going to play really hard, and I think they're pretty talented. Um, I shouldn't say they're all, but there's enough talent, I think, that they'll play um, hard enough to win a bunch of games. And I like uh, I, li- I like young, talented players who really want to compete. So that's what they got. Yeah, and a front office slash coaching staff that won't, force them into bad scenarios like you know the the bad lineup tank move we've seen that many times from teams these last couple of years so uh put your confidence in the players along with the long-term prospect of the organization which is give their pick 
get it to Boston already, get out from under whatever this all, all this stuff is, and then go back to getting all your own picks. Truly, if they want to keep getting younger, they could. So, I, I mean, the only thing that gives me pause here, Neil, is what if they decide that they got the young guy they wanted and... Uh, okay, let me let me rephrase that. What if they decide that they don't want the rebuild to take as long as it may have appeared it might before they got a much higher pick than it appeared, right? So they got a higher pick than they expected to get this last year. And does that now shorten the length of their rebuild? Do they now say, you know what, we'll just we'll just tank for one more year, see what we can pull. And then we're going to try to win 40 games the following year. And you know what? Screw it. If Boston gets that pick, they're getting like the 13th, 14th pick in the draft. And that's not, we don't feel that bad about giving that away. That's the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause with this one. But I mean, again, for the most part, uh, you and I are seeing eye to eye on this, this magical Tuesday. I, I wonder if we can run the gamut. Well, let's see. I think you could be right if they suffer an injury early on. Um, maybe they decide to slow things down. We'll, we'll see if that's yeah. if that occurs. I so, don't know. But there, I mean, you know, we could argue that there, there are fears in all of these, right? I mean, I could, we could, yeah. you and I could nitpick on every single one of these over or these overs and unders, these, and find something wrong with it. You you take the the side that has more things pointing in that direction, and for both of us with this Memphis team, we're saying more things pointing to the over, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what. Um... It's it's a tough number though. It um, is a tough number. I thought yeah. it was going to be lower. Yeah, I did too. I was hoping to be lower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's that's yeah. I mean, that's, are you are you are you big on? I know you're not a big rookie guy, but are you big on Morant or do you not even follow this game? I am going to be perfectly honest with you. Yep. I have not watched him play. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I really. People think that I'm joking on here. I really don't care about rookies at all. And it's it's a it, I I I feel like I need to explain myself because again, we're into a part now of the season where where new people are listening to the podcast. It's not that I would never run a rookie out on my fantasy team. If one of them shows that they're going to do stuff, I'll happily play them. The problem is that rookies are 90% of the time. I feel pretty confident with that number. 9 out of 10 rookies is going to have more hype than fantasy game coming into the season because of summer league, because of training camp. These are the guys that actually give a crap during those portions of the year when all the old guys are like, hey, whatever, call me when it's you know October 20-something. And a lot of them are like, call me when it's February 20-something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you get, you, know, you get 10 rookies coming out of training camp that are like, these guys are going to play 35 minutes. They're going to dominate. And they all go four rounds too early. And so I'm just never going to have them on my fantasy team because I'm not going to take that plunge. And one out of every 10 is going to work. Carl Anthony Towns, that worked. You know, he was drafted whatever it was, like fourth, fifth round that year, and then he was a first-round pick. So, cool, you might catch lightning in a bottle, but generally, you're going to get the guy that turns it over four and a half times a game and shoots 41%, generally. Anyway, let's talk, let's talk Miami Heat. Oh, no, I, just, I want to quickly just add it. I also think people don't realize just how much harder the NBA is from college basketball. So much harder. I mean, it's, it, I think it's the hardest transition of all sports. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I would argue it would be football, but they make guys stay in college for a number of years because yeah. if they were too small, they'd be split in four pieces. Oh, yeah, those guys would even – yeah, get out my God, it'd be broken in half. You're right. Football is a savage. Way. It's a savage game, man. It really is. It's it's grotesque. I I can't even watch it. It's real. It's too much, man. If you if you got to wear that much padding to play a sport, it's probably there's probably something wrong with it. Uh, Miami Heat, forty two and a half. What do you think, man? I'm gonna make you go first on this one. Yeah, this one. I'm right on the number. I'm at forty three. Um, oh my God, we just, agree again, though. Oh, are are you a much higher on them uh i wouldn't say much but yes a little bit higher okay uh basically this is you know jimmy butler's coming to town Hassan Whiteside is leaving town um i like their coaching staff i like i like adebayo stepping up now more in that role and i think butler's gonna play really hard i don't think he's gonna rest and i think he's a really good player and i think they'll get to 43 and make the playoffs yeah, I'm mostly basing this on what Jimmy Butler did to the Timberwolves, which was um, break everybody's head, but also make them markedly better when he was on the floor. I mean, they were a sub-500 team when he was not around, and they were a plus-500 team when he was. I mean, that's just... He's a crazy person, but he's a very good NBA player. Uh, I love the idea, the idea in my mind, and we'll see how it plays out, of Jimmy Butler just like breaking Dion Waiters for doing stupid crap all the time. I mean, he's not. You think Butler's going to put up with Waiters chucking shots this year? No chance. Like, give me the ball back, Dion. I'm going to go take one. I'm going to go shoot 48% where you're just flailing and doing God knows what. Uh, I also think, by the way, and this is something to watch from a fantasy standpoint, is Goran Dragic finally healthy this year? Because he hasn't been for probably two full seasons and if he's healthy again, he actually becomes a really good fit because Dragic has never been a very good passing point guard. He's a guy that can kind of initiate the offense, but generally is looking for the shot. And so if you put him near around Butler, who can actually start a lot of the plays, those two guys, I think, can feed off each other relatively well. Uh, and you mentioned Bam Adebayo being the center, or you mentioned Hassan Whiteside being gone. Uh I don't want to call that addition by subtraction because I actually like Hassan Whiteside, um, but I don't think there's really much of a drop-off there. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Like the 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 ability to mix and match pieces, and maybe you do add by subtracting by giving someone like Kelly Olynyk a little more opportunity in this offense. What I'd love to see uh, or hear about is like one other injury on this team of one of the peripheral players that Spo likes to play for 20 minutes for whatever God knows reason. Uh, if I if we hear about that, I think they're in really good shape. But I'm with you, man. I'm over. I think it's I think it's Jimmy Butler. I don't think he'll be satisfied if this team is not in playoff contention, and so they're just going to be grinding every night. And if you play hard in the modern NBA, you're gonna win. You're gonna win some basketball games. I mean, we saw with we saw with Boston two years ago, right? They had no Kyrie Irving for long stretches, and they just played a hard as hell and won like 55 games that year. So uh, I'm with you, man. Miami Heat over, and I like them a little bit more than you do. We're green. Uh, we're four. We're it, four and four here today. One of these, what, is, this one, is this one of the best first, best bets or no? Uh, nah, nah, it's in the middle, I guess. But I do All like right. it. I do like it. And the coaching staff too. You mentioned that. I want to put an extra check mark on that one. You and I agree hard on that side. Um, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. This one. I'm not sure I like my number. Yeah, 56 and a half is the uh, over-under. 
or the win total. Um, 60 last year. Their Pythagorean was actually 64. Woof. I know. And because of that, I'm not digging them too much. Um, I know they've lost some key pieces on that team. Uh, Brogdon. Um, I'm sorry, Miritich is gone. Um, <laughs> you, spared, <laughs> you spared me there, huh? This one, by yeah. the way, has been on the rise, too. It should be mentioned. Milwaukee What's opened... That? Milwaukee opened this year uh, at fifty four and a half, I believe. So that's actually been okay. on the that's been on the upward move. Uh, it was fifty five and a half within like a day after it opened, and now you said you've got it where fifty six and a half. That's what I had. What did you have when you based your total? Uh, I just did it on opening, which is fifty four and a half. So oh, we got can, it. Oh, we got can... it. Okay, so um, I have a so my my number is fifty seven for this this coming season and. It's really because um, I just think they have a lot to prove still. So I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be satisfied from last year. This is our first disagreement of the day. Uh, okay. Because uh, well, I mean, you know that. But although honestly, if I had, if I waited here and and was looking at, um, oh wait a minute, what did I do here? Oh no, I, I'm I'm looking at the right thing. Sorry, I. I was looking at something from last year just for a moment there. That was uh, Milwaukee's numbers from last year. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I don't think they actually have as much to prove during the regular season. So I'm not sure that you're going to see the same ferocity the full way through. Uh, like you mentioned, Malcolm Brogdon, I think that's, I think that's actually a, a decent loss. Although they, you know, they were fine without him for stretches last year as well. They're just going to be. They're still going to be a really, really good basketball team, and it's possible that they roll up near sixty again. I just, I, I, I feel like there are going to be some coasting moments for a team that they they feel to me a little bit like Denver, which we already talked about uh, last. No, two weeks ago. Now last week it was last week where uh, I think you're going to see that that letdown which is they, they showed last year that they are a very good regular season team. And I don't know that that is still clicking around in their head. I think they're focused exclusively on the playoffs. And now they don't have Kawhi Leonard to deal with. So, I mean, they know they're, they're one real opponent in the postseason is the Sixers, right? Is anybody else, do you have anybody else in the Eastern Conference even remotely close to those two teams? Uh. I have the Sixers just below them. Um, no, in terms of wins, no. Yeah, steep drop-off after those two, right? In the Eastern, yes. I don't think I have anyone above 50 after that. Yeah, and I think that's reflective of what we're going to see in the postseason, too. Do you agree? Uh, yes. I think it's going to be Philly, Philly and... Uh, is that what you mean? Philly-Milwaukee? Yeah, in the exactly. Finals? Yeah. And yeah. I think both those teams know it. I think they know it right now. I mean, if you and I can look at this and know it, I think they know it, too. So... And actually, between those two teams, I almost feel like Philadelphia is the more motivated regular season team to prove oh, that. Like, uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of anti Ben Simmons stuff going around. There's a they lost all their shooters stuff. There's uh, Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. I feel like there's more negative stuff swirling around the Sixers than there is about the Bucks. I mean, I mean Milwaukee they had the best record in the NBA last year. What do they? What do they? need that for again i mean i guess they were better at home but the raptors just undressed them in their place so i don't know i to me it feels like they're just waiting on the sixers in the postseason and i have that same same denver feeling which is they showed they can make the playoffs and get a good seed now they're just trying to figure out how to get over that hump 
And so this is where you and I finally disagree. I actually have a slight under with this team. You would under 54 and a half even, right? Uh, y- yes, actually. I, I'm going the oh. under 54 and a half now by oh. a hair, but when this number's up at 57 and a half, I, I, feel, I feel better about the under. Uh, but maybe they, maybe they really do. Maybe Giannis really does want to like go out there and win 60 games again. I just, I mean, maybe they can cakewalk into 60 games. That might be the better explanation for the over is maybe they don't even need to try to get to that point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I just really think the, um, I think Budenholzer is going to try to improve this team as much as he can. He's got some new pieces to incorporate. I think they're going to, I think they're going to want to be a better team than they were last year. And because of that, I think they will win games that they don't have to try as hard. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. They'll be so so prepared and so focused on what they're trying to do. Yep, it does. It definitely does. Uh, All right, so we couldn't go six for six. This this one to me is a total coin flip. Minnesota, 35 and a half um, was the opening number. Is that where it's still at? I think I see it at 35 and a half in most places still, yeah? Yeah, that's what I have. Okay. Uh, what do you think on this? I mean, I, okay, I'll go first. I think I went second on the last one. Um, I think that's, I think that's a pretty damn good number. I think they're either going to be 35 or 36. So to me, you know, this is, this isn't exactly one where you want to be hammering a bunch of money on it. Uh, but we know cat is, we know cat is, is a warrior. Uh, maybe Jeff T can stay healthy. I mean, Rob Covington being alive, makes a big difference for this team. And, and that's probably why I'm putting them over just a hair. I think they do. I think they do want to make some headway this season. If they're, I mean, if they're sitting in the low thirties this year, that to me feels like a massive failure of a year for Minnesota. So I'm going mostly with thematic betting with the wolves. And I'm going to say over by a hair. Yeah. I have them over by three and a half. I have them at 39. Outstanding. Five for um, six today, Neil. Five out of six. And it's really Covington. I think he's a he showed that he um, makes a big difference to this team, and he's such a talk about guys that are warriors. He's a warrior out there playing really hard, and maybe that'll help inspire those other guys. Um, yeah, I just like yes. I like how he fits in. I like I think he's he's like a defensive anchor. So great we'll see if they point. Get better. Great yeah. point, Neil. Check plus on that one. Let's tie it all back to the earlier discussion of like a team like the Clippers doesn't need that guy right now, but a team like the Wolves really does. They need someone to get them fired up. They need someone to be playing a defense and yelling at people and punching you in the face on the defensive side. That is a really good point. Maybe I'm going to adjust my over in confidence from a from like a one to a two or three for that. <laughs> They really do. These these personalities, they have a place in the NBA, and this is the perfect young weirdo team that needs a guy like Rob Covington. Check plus, Neil. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, God. Five or six. That's good. I feel good about today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got me worried about Milwaukee now. No, come on now. We can disagree every once in a while. You did better than me last year. Don't do that. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I was going to bring it up at some point. So that's <laughs> I'm well aware. I feel fine with my long-term track record. I'm secure in my my long-term. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know exactly. You're the one who's on uh, the biggest betting shows in Vegas. So yeah, yeah, my guy Gil. You know what? This oh, is you, all... you, on, you on this week? Or are you on every Tuesday, Monday? What are it, you on? Oh man, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's going to be this week. I think we'll probably get oh. rolling again uh, a little closer to the season. Yeah, this is uh, this is the benefits of. Um, Gil and I each had our own podcast at, at pregame in 2008. I mean, we're going way, wait, 2009, way back. I mean, that was like, 
there was a handful of podcasts at that point. I think it was like Adam Carolla and then Gil and me. <laughs> I was going to say, you're a pioneer in the industry. My I God. know. I've been, doing, I've been doing this before you were a gleam in your father's eye. Uh, it was also um, just as easy to do a podcast then as it is now. <laughs> It takes no effort at all. I have a <laughs> I have a sixty dollar mixer and like a ninety five dollar microphone, and I think that puts me in like the top five percentile of money spent on podcast equipment. Right? I mean, that, so by the way, if anybody wants to do a podcast out there, you can just get a nice USB mic, or you can get a whole bunch of stuff like I did on Amazon, and it's basically like a traveling broadcast unit. So it's uh, yeah, podcasting is easy, man. It's it's the work that goes into actually trying to know what you're talking about. That's the hard part. Um, Neil, uh, go get some rest, man, before you have to sit in three hours of traffic again. Yeah, thank you. Can you not like? Um, I was gonna say take a helicopter. Can you not like? Oh in? yeah, yeah. There have been, uh, uh, yeah, there have been some um, stories about CEOs that do that. Take helicopters. Oh, you know, you know, you know, Uber's now doing helicopters in New York City. Wait, they are or are not? They are doing helicopters in New York City. Now. Oh, that what could go wrong? <laughs> nothing. I need mean, nothing. I think is the the logical answer to that question is nothing. Nothing could go yeah. wrong. I figured LA will be coming pretty soon if it's not already there. Oh, so. good lord. Um, I think I would sooner take Elon Musk's underground magnetized capsule firing system over flying taxi cabs. I. I at least there's not. At least there's no traffic underground. There's other stuff in the air. <laughs> there's things. There's things flying around on a daily basis that uh, you got to watch out for. Um, yeah, I don't know. Listen, yeah, I'm, bring, I'm it, all, bring it all back to traffic. Yeah, I I'm, agree. I'm all for advancements in technology and avoiding traffic, but flying in a just above ground level seems like it's rife with with possibilities for disaster. Uh, anyway. To be continued, uh, Neil Rochelani at Ball with Neil at Orange Ball Head Neil at at. Uh, <laughs> you had to do it, did you? Yeah, I had to do it. Um, it's Ball with Neil, B A L L W I T H N E I L. Spell it right. Find him on Twitter. Follow him. We'll be talking betting and fantasy all season long this year. And uh, Neil will be back on Thursday with the great Josh Millman. Did I get it right? Um, he has yet to confirm, but I believe he will be back on uh, with me. I yes. just rolled with it because that's what it's been the last couple. So I didn't, I didn't do the who we got for Thursday, but I still can. Neil, you want me to do it? Um, no, no, we're finding a rapport. It, it's it's starting to work with the two of us, oh. so it's very, very, very exciting. That's lovely. That's yeah, that's, absolutely. It yeah. warms the cockles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Next six season win totals coming up next Tuesday. Neil, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. Have a good night. Or a good day. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, it's the great Neil Rochelani. We got through six more season win totals. Man, I love it. We got a lot of stuff going on here these days. A lot of good stuff to cover on the podcast. I do want to try to get through a team here on today's show. Because otherwise, we would have already broken up the theme of the week, which is knocking out teams one by one. So we're going to do one team, one, just one team on today's podcast. We're going to continue our exploration of the Pacific Division with a look at the Golden State Warriors. The inclination, I think, is to call them the new look Golden State Warriors, but truth be told, it's not that big of a change for this team. It's not, I mean, it is some. Make no mistake, D'Angelo Russell 
in. Clay Thompson hurt. Kevin Durant out. Andre Iguodala out. But a lot of the peripheral pieces didn't matter to begin with. And the other core guys are still there. Steph Curry, still there. Draymond Green, still there. Kevon Looney, still there. Klay Thompson will return at some point. So I think when we're looking at these teams, the amount of turnover we're seeing on other clubs is somehow more than this one. And that's an important thing to keep in mind because I think that's going to help this team at the beginning of the year. So let's talk briefly about this club like we did last year and isolate the guys that should have value inside the top 100. The obvious choice here is Steph Curry. And he has seemingly, because of a lack of guys around him with effectively, you know, Kevin Durant, who was taking 18 shots a game, gone. Wildly efficient 18 shots a game as well. Uh, Clay Thompson, 18 shots a game, also quite efficient, out for most of the year. D'Angelo, he's in there. D'Angelo Russell, he's part of this mix. He was taking 19 shots a game with Brooklyn. Uh, he's in. But that still only replaces one of the two superstars that are gone on this Golden State team. So by all accounts, you have to look at this club and say there are about 18 shots up for grabs. I think the best thing to do if you're looking at what to expect from some of these guys is to go back and look at what they did pre-Kevin Durant. So turn the clock back on this Warriors team. We're going to bust out the Wayback Machine. Yes, that's a reference to Mr. Peabody and Sherman. 2015-2016 season, Kevin Durant's last year in Oklahoma City. In meanwhile, meanwhile, in Golden State, Steph Curry was taking 20 shots a game. He averaged 30 that year. Two steals a game, five and a half rebounds, almost seven assists a night. He made five three-pointers per game. And he was the consensus number one in fantasy. And I do think there's a case to be made on that side. I think there's a case to be made for a number of guys. Uh, Anthony Davis was not the AD we see today four or five years ago. What, 15, 16? So four years ago. We can do math here on the program, I promise. Simple addition and subtraction, as it were. AD, his stat set has likely surpassed Steph Curry, perhaps partly because the three-pointer is now more pervasive, and Steph is probably not going to go back to averaging two steals a game. I mean, he was down to 1.3 this year. That's a number that's probably just falling off slightly as he gets a little bit older, a little bit slower. He's not an old guy, you know? Steph is still in his prime by all accounts. Uh, But that's a number that's tailing more than likely because of sometimes a lack of defensive intensity, styles of play, teammates, etc. So maybe to come back a little bit. His minutes, by the way, have never fluctuated all that much. He only played about a half a minute more per game that year. So don't look at it and say, well, you know, is Steph going to see more time on the court? Do we need that to be the case? The answer is no. It's all about usage. It's all about usage for Steph, who, by the way, averaged 27 points a game this year. Not too shabby. Problem is that he was down to 47% shooting. 
It should also be noted, he did average five three-pointers a game this year. It just took him a few more shots to get there. Free throw percent, still incredible. Is 47% closer to what we're going to see than 50? Probably. Steals likely to be down, as mentioned. Assists could actually be back up. Turnovers are going to be up. There's no question about that. Uh, but you could make a case for Steph, James Harden, or Anthony Davis, I think, as your top guy. And I've even seen some cat arguments out there, largely for the durability factor, but his stat set I don't think is going to get him quite to that same echelon with the three guys I just mentioned. So I love Steph Curry this year. Uh, and there's really no point where you could take him where he wouldn't be a good fantasy value. All right, let's get through that one. That's not the most interesting stuff. Draymond Green is a pretty interesting test case because Draymond Green did not have a particularly good season. He was number 58 in nine cat, which is about as low as he's been in a good half decade. Averaged just seven and a half points per game this year and took just 6.4 shots per game this last season. That is a painfully low number. Even for a guy who's generally a pretty low-usage type of guy, racking up his rebounds, his assists, his steals, his blocks, whatever, 6.4 shots is the fewest he's taken since his sophomore year back 13-14 season. There's no question in my mind that some of those shots left behind by KD and Clay are going to have to go to Draymond. He's not going to have a choice. When you look up and down this roster, he's going to be on the court a lot, and they're going to need him to actually do some stuff on offense. He can't be passive. It can't only be Steph and D'Angelo on offense for two-thirds of the year. It's not going to be the other guys on this team. It's not going to be Willie Cauley-Stein taking shots. It's not going to be Kevon Looney. They're going to take their few, but they need Dre to do stuff because he's going to be on the floor and he's going to be involved in the offense heavily. His screen setting is a critical part of Steph Curry's offense. So I would expect to see Draymond Green see a pretty nice boost season over season. He kind of has to. He kind of has to. I don't think he's going to fall to where he ended last year. I mean, this is a guy that was drafted in the second round and finished up at, again, 58. He was drafted probably between 15 and 30, and he ended at 58. He's going to end up going somewhere in between those two, and I feel pretty comfortable saying, you can take him there, and that's fine. Whatever it might be. Because he's not going to go at 20 again. He put too much of a hurt on teams this last year. But what he does do is, like I mentioned with Pat Beverly yesterday, a lot of things... And when you add in another half a three-pointer and three more points, that's a positive. I like a lot of things about the Warriors this year. D'Angelo Russell is not really one of them, believe it or not. I think he's going to have a really nice role with this team. You know, he's going to play a lot. He's going to be asked to do quite a bit on a very good offensive team. But he's never going to have the kind of freedom he had for that long stretch in Brooklyn last year where Spencer Dinwiddie was out and Karis LeVert was out, and it was just all D'Angelo all the time. That's not going to be available. And even with that this last year, he ended at number 57, right next to Draymond Green, oddly enough, in nine category leagues, and that will likely drop. Your only hope for Russell 
is that the 43.5% field goal number comes up as he plays now with someone like Steph Curry, who can pull defenders so far from the rim that there's just unlimited space to work with. That's your hope. But I think you're hanging a, your hopes on a question mark. That's a coin flip at best. He's not a great free throw shooter, so he's not going to help you there. He will get you some steals. He'll get you some threes. He'll get you some assists in this offense because everybody does. They pass a lot. But there's going to be turnovers by uh, plenty. They do that too in Golden State. And there's going to be missed shots. And he's going to put up okay numbers, but he's going to get drafted too high because he has insane name recognition. The other guy to keep an eye on is Looney. And we keep hearing bits and pieces out of Golden State that they want him to play more. They want him to be the feature part of their offense or their game or whatever. But we've seen this act before. Golden State never leaves their traditional centers on the floor for more than about 20 minutes a game. And Kevon Looney, going back to last year, he didn't make the top 160. You know, he wasn't even on, he wasn't even on the radar. So there's going to have to be a huge bump for him. And he played 19 minutes a game last year. Averaged 6 points, 5 rebounds. 0.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. So you're talking about a guy that needs to get up closer to 28 minutes to get into that fantasy value discussion. So this is not a guy that I'm bending over backwards for right now because I do think he could lose time to Willie Cauley-Stein. You're going to see Draymond at the 5 a lot for the Warriors because that's what the NBA is nowadays. They don't have their same... Hampton five or death lineups or whatever you want to call it from these last few years. So there's more wiggle room to get some centers in there. Uh, but you're talking about a very large minute jump that would need to happen. And historically, we say historically, but recent historically, we haven't seen a ton of that from these Warriors rosters. If he falls to the end of your draft, there's some upside play there. You know, if he's down there in the 13th, 14th round, you scoop him. You scoop him or you scoop Willie Cauley-Stein, and you hope that one of the two of them can separate themselves and play 26 minutes, because then you'd have a top 100 guy. But I think I'm not, I am not expecting that to take place this year, and for that reason, I'm not really going out and picking up any Warriors centers. Which is interesting, because on paper, Kevon Looney is a better basketball player than JaVale McGee, who we talked about on yesterday's podcast. Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, it's comparable. Um, you could argue either way. He's not that good either. But JaVale McGee is in a much better position for his fantasy game. LeBron, lobs. Rondo, lobs. There's just lobs. Warriors, not as much. The centers are not heavily involved on the offensive side. Offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, rim protection, switching on screens on defense. And they'll run. They'll get out and run a little bit, but it usually ends in somebody bombing from downtown. So I think we might only see those top three Warriors guys as the ones that get inside the top 100. And two of the three are guys that I think I could end up with. And that's today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Neil Rochelani for helping with season win totals on today's show. 
The Golden State Warriors will finish up, I hope, the Pacific Division on tomorrow's podcast with the Kings and the Suns. That should be exhilarating. (laughs) Who the hell even knows who's on the Phoenix Suns these days? I don't. I should, but I don't. Uh, Send me an email or a tweet would be the easiest way. At Dan Bespris, if you want to get involved. Again, we're looking for blurbers. We're looking for podcasters. We're looking for Team Beats. It's recruiting season at HoopBall. And, of course, take a moment to rate and review the pod. Uh, Maybe Brandon Marcus on the show tomorrow. Again, dealing with a throat infection. Hoping he's getting better quick so we can get that Clippers show back for episode number two. Hope you guys got to listen to it. Uh, Listen to uh, Brandon talk to Brian Seaman on last week's debut episode the voice of the Clippers. Incredible, incredible guest for the first episode of that show. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. More season win totals coming up next Tuesday on the pod. I will talk to you tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.